This is going to be a very special episode of Locked on Grizzlies because DeMichael Cole and I are not alone this time around. We have the Kamenetsky brothers of Locked on Lakers joining us, and we're going to talk questions about Dylan Brooks's perspective on this series, how the Lakers plan on defending John Morant, and whether or not Memphis fans should fear the Lakers' three-point shooters as uh, other teams have recently gotten hot. DeMichael and I are talking all that with Locked On Lakers on this crossover edition. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this a special crossover edition, Locked On Grizzlies, Locked On Lakers. Lots of fun going to be had on this particular episode as Locked On Grizzlies and Locked On Lakers collide several days before the Lakers and Grizzlies themselves do Sunday afternoon in Memphis. We are proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And this episode, the special crossover edition of Locked On Grizzlies and Locked On Lakers, is brought to you by the wonderful folks over at eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We are proud members of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check us out over on YouTube, like, comment, rate, review, subscribe, all those fun things. And it's crowded here on the screen. Uh, now there's three people that are better looking than me, which is very offensive. Usually it's just the Michael Cole of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee. But now I've got two brothers that are uh, much more handsome than I am, which I'll have to get over uh, as we work through this episode. It is Andy lucky there are six people in the squares, you know, <laughs> no, I, 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 would, I would be the bottom rung every single time. <laughs> Andy and Brian Kamenetsky, they are writers. They are radio host podcasters. They are co-hosts, obviously, of Locked on Lakers as part of this wonderful podcast network. And that's one of my favorite things about this, guys, is as we prepare for this playoff series, there's so many other folks, you know, who are, whoever it would have been, whether it was the Timberwolves, obviously with you guys here on this special edition of uh, Locked on Grizzlies and Locked on Lakers. Uh, you know, we, we have a, a pretty in-depth opportunity here to really kind of see how the Lakers tick over the next, you know, 30 minutes or so. And to see how the Grizzlies tick. And this is a historic ticking. This is the first time the Lakers and Grizzlies have ever met yeah. in the playoffs. So th this is something truly new for both fan bases to experience. Uh, ob the, obviously, the Lakers and Grizzlies never met when they were in Vancouver because that right. team never made the playoffs at all. Mm -hmm. And then, like, all the grit and grind stuff never coincided with Kobe and Powell, and there was a lean period for the Lakers. So this is truly uncharted waters right now, guys. It's kind of wild to think because I actually looked and saw it. The Lakers have played pretty much everyone except the Clippers and the Grizzlies up to this point. Clippers is never going to happen. I've just and resigned myself to the idea. It's never it, happening. It was supposed to happen a couple years ago, but that's 
that's neither here nor there. But uh, <laughs> uh, here we are. But I'm excited to see this series. And, and one thing that kind of stands out to me before we get to the on-the-court stuff is, you, you guys know, Lakers fans travel in packs. And growing up in Memphis, Joe has been here. You know, you covered a lot of teams here in Memphis as well. Uh, Kobe Bryant fans, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's the biggest. It's bigger than LeBron's fan base here. And Kobe has always had a huge fan base in Memphis, and they used to fill up the games 09, 10, 11, 12, 13, pretty much all the way up until he retired. Kobe Bryant was the biggest thing when it came to, you know, uh, the road audiences. And now uh, LeBron James, Steph Curry are kind of, you know, at the top of that uh, pole. So when you combine the Kobe fans with the diehard Laker fans with the LeBron fans, when the Lakers show up in Memphis – they kind of get a crowd. I, I was looking through a couple stories that I, I previously wrote about that, and I remember uh, John Morant, and it was like December 2021. He basically, when they beat the Lakers, he said to uh, take that purple and gold, you know, back to L.A. So this is the first time it's a playoff series, yes, but this is the first time we're really going to see. You know, I've been hearing some things. Some Grizzlies fans are trying to keep <laughs> these Laker fans out of FedEx form with, with the resale tickets. They're trying to sell them in inside of Grizzlies groups and things like that to kind of keep them away from these Laker fans. I've already had a couple Laker fans. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple Laker fans reach out to me, said we got our tickets. So I'm looking forward to seeing that part of it, too. So, like, how much of a factor is yeah. – do you think these these respective crowds are going to be like the the home floor because you know the Lakers have not hosted a playoff series with fans really like in full force in the building able to sell it out since before the pandemic um and yeah it you know Andy mentioned all those you know those lean stretches and stuff like that they're going to be especially if the, if this series comes back to LA tied let's say um you know for game 3 it's going to be nuts inside the building, but I I can only assume I've not seen I've not been to a game at FedEx. I've been to a bunch of other buildings and stuff. I but I've been to Oklahoma City, for example, and those fans got really keyed up for the Lakers and critical games against the Lakers. I can only imagine Memphis is going to be something similar, like you say, that kind of pride in the hometown, wanting to stick it to. LA, I, it can't just be Ja. It's got to be the whole city, I would think. I, I think that the Grizzlies are going to be especially excited, or at least Memphis fans are going to be especially excited because it's the Lakers. Because, you know, I wrote an article over at a Bluff City Media where I do my Grizzlies writing. And, I, you know, it's a storybook kind of situation, right? LeBron James, the current king of the NBA, John ja Morant, up until his issues, was kind of the, the heir apparent, right? He, everybody was trying to put that crown of the, you know, the prince of the NBA, so to speak, uh, at least for American basketball, uh, on John Moran. And, you know, those two not necessarily going directly against each other, but just being on the floor together in a high-stakes series like that. Anthony Davis, the way that he's played this season, kind of returning to form, being the player the Lakers want him to be. And compare that to Jaron Jackson Jr., who, you know, we were talking a little bit before the show, he, over the last month and a half or so, has really taken a leap of his own Anthony Davis deserved his March and April player of the month recognition. Jaron Jackson Jr. was right behind him in terms of productivity, in terms of the things that he was doing. So, you know, it, it's, you know, there was a, a, a former announcer who passed away, Don Poyer. Uh, he was the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies years ago. And one of his famous taglines was only in the movies and in Memphis. And, you know, this feels very much like a storyline 
if the Grizzlies are ready to be what everybody thinks they'll eventually be, or at least everybody in Memphis thinks they'll eventually be, to go through potentially LeBron James and the Lakers to do it, you know, that that's again a, a fitting storybook opportunity. So the Lakers are a really good basketball team. It's going to be a challenging series, but it's going to be a highly entertaining one. And at the end of the day, as the the GIF a moment ago alluded to, that's kind of the point of this entire process. Well, I mean, the, it feels like Memphis, you know, they're, they're most high-profile rivalry right now when it comes to just bleep talking is obviously them and the Warriors, and mm. they've gone back and forth, and I, I think it's no secret those two teams genuinely do not like each other. But there's been some back and forth between the Lakers and Grizzlies of late. You know, obviously there was, you know, T. Morant v. Shannon Sharp. But even mm-hmm. before that, you had – I don't remember if it was earlier in this season or last, season. last year. It was last where season. You had a bunch of Grizzlies like Desmond Bain and Dylan yep. Brooks because it's always Dylan Brooks. It's always Dylan Brooks. Yeah, and I've got some questions about that coming up I want to get into. <laughs> but there, there was a We've point got where questions. There was a point where LeBron actually looked at those guys and was like, all right, enough. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously. And it's not because I think they got under LeBron's skin. Like, you got to do a lot more – you know, he's had Lance Stevenson blowing in his ear. Like Desmond <laughs> Desmond Bain is not going to put him on tilt. I think there was just a point of like, I'm LeBron effing James, and none of you guys, you know, when he's talking about like Bain and Brooks, none of you guys have ever even made an all-star team. Like, shut the F up. Like, seriously, enough. Like, I have done things in this league that you guys will never do. And LeBron has a long memory. Like, he, mm-hmm. he remembers – Everything. So Are we sure he even, still remembers everything? He's getting up there in years. He, I'll, look, <laughs> there's definitely fatigue and age playing a role with LeBron right now, but I'll tell you, that dude's mind is still a steel trap when it comes to just pure details. Like, he is a detail-oriented... He's going to he's gonna forget directions to his house and how to, you know, how to put his <laughs> pants on before he forgets, like, what play they ran on in the third quarter on March eighth against the you know the the Pelicans mm. in two thousand? He just remembers everything. I, I was listening to him uh, talk about the Grizzlies. He was asked about the Grizzlies players uh, after that uh, win uh, the other day, and he basically just was like, "Oh, I haven't studied the Grizzlies yet." And then he goes on a whole scouting report on like six or seven guys, all the way down to Xavier Tillman Senior, and he's like, "Oh yeah, he's coached well, Michigan State guy," and I'm like. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, very high key, and that's kind of one of the, you know, the the small details that I really want to see in this series because you know how game ones go. Game one, people overreact, uh, no matter what happens, uh, and some people will overreact whatever happens in this game one. But LeBron, you can make an argument, has the highest IQ in the game of basketball right now. Uh, several players have told us over the last couple of years, and I'm talking about like Draymond Green like Ray John Rondo, those type players have complimented the IQ of John Morant. So I want to see the back and forth. The back and forth there, the Grizzlies make that adjustment after game one, or the Lakers make that adjustment after game one, and how does the other team counter? That's going to be fun to watch. Well, let's get into some of the specifics of the matchup and some of the questions you guys have for us, we have for you. But first, I want to let everybody know that Locked on Lakers and Locked on Grizzlies, brought to you by eBay Motors. And for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same 
when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. And the next time you need parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure every part you need fits right the first time around. And just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. And just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors because with over 122 million parts to choose from, I had no idea that many parts existed, period. <laughs> you will be back in the game in no time. And after all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, the right price is all 122 million of those parts on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible in items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to Locked On Lakers and Locked On Grizzlies. I misspoke uh, before the break there. This is a combo episode between all of us. And obviously, we are enjoying each other's company, getting to know one another for the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, uh, we, we're going to be nice and cozy over on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm sure Grizzlies fans will be going over to check out Andy and Brian over at Locked On Lakers. And of course, Lakers fans, you're welcome anytime over at Locked On Grizzlies with the Michael Cole and myself. Uh, it was alluded to before the break, the idea of talking through questions. And you mentioned earlier that you had some questions about Dylan Brooks, which I don't know about DeMichael, but I'm intrigued by any time somebody has questions about Dylan Brooks, whether it's fashion-related, whether it is the way that he uh, likes to articulate his points of view, whether it's he whether or not he would be able to beat up Shannon Sharp, you know, whatever the case might be, I am curious. We can easily start off with you asking us a question about okay. uh, old Dylan Brooks. It's interesting you say that, Joe, because the the questions that I have kind of touch on everything that you brought up and sort of the Dylan Brooks experience. Experience. Because mm -hmm. after he got after he got uh, early, I, probably in March. Uh, called for an 18th tech, which was a suspension eligible tech. And this was having already served a previous suspension for techs. I tweeted out at Cam Brothers, I can't help but wonder if Dylan Brooks is costing himself money in his impending free agency. These antics feel as much or more about personal branding as it is getting under an opponent's skin. And he's just on the border of good enough slash not good enough to be worth the hassle. And for both of you guys, do you think that that's accurate in terms of, you know, costing himself money, the, the idea of the hassle worth it ratio? That's the part and, that I'm really interested and, in is, is he worth it or not? Is he that it, good? And how concerned are you about Dylan Brooks getting too jacked up, making dumb mistakes, getting too caught up in the villain Brooks persona? Uh, to Michael, go ahead. I feel like the, the villain Brooks persona is kind of, you know, the magnified version of the Grizzlies persona. You know, he kind of is the head of the snake. The players will tell you he's the heart and soul of the team. So it's not like he's a locker room cancer or, oh, you know, sure. I, I've had, yeah, I've had people ask you, you know, how, how is he in the locker room? They love him. It, it, he got booed one time in Memphis this season, right? He got booed in Memphis. And the players, uh, quite frankly, were pissed. They were, they, <laughs> they were not happy that he was booed. But here's the thing about uh, what he brings uh, to the table from that perspective. Wing wing defenders are at a premium right now in the NBA. Uh, this is the most skilled guard play uh, we've ever seen. I mean, guys like James Harden and Kyrie Irving aren't going to make all NBA this season. And that's just, you know, that's just not what we're used to seeing. So 
you look around the NBA, most of these teams, you have one great wing defender. You have a couple guys who are really solid. He's the great answer for the Grizzlies. He's the guy uh, they've had guard Laurie Marketing, uh, Zion Williamson. They've had guard Shea Gilgis Alexander, LeBron James. The list goes on. He is their ace card in that ray. And uh, there were also games where he missed, and he missed the game early this season against Luka. And Luka basically had, what, 25 in the first half, maybe, Joe, and and didn't play the fourth quarter. I mean, he was toying with the Grizzlies in that game, and there was no Dylan Brooks. So uh, at the end of the day, in Memphis, it's worth it. Uh, they the, the trash talk, they love it. It's it's it, he is an extended version of the team. He's not the only one that talks trash. You know, Ja does his own share of talking as well. And Desmond Bain is a little more, you know, calculated. He's not as he outwardly with it. But you you mentioned earlier how the Desmond Bain and LeBron situation. I remember Desmond Bain earlier this season in January. We went out to L.A. and he told me he said that moment that he had with LeBron James, that was a kind of a turning point when people knew they weren't going to punk us anymore. So one of the things that I'm curious about, you know, that combination of wing defense in Brooks, you know, again, I, I, we were joking before the, the, the show started, like my, my sense of Brooks is, is kind of colored by the fact that he's been on my fantasy team. And you get a lot of like three. Was for it an 17. opposite fantasy team? Yeah. Like if it yeah, was a negative like, fantasy team, you'd there's be always, better off. Nah, it's just not, he's a, so what you're saying is he's a better real basketball player than he is a fantasy basketball player. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's, you he's have, the, you know, you have the combination of a wing defender, like a really solid wing defender. That's he's a legit a, wing defender. When, yeah, he, when can, he is playing, play. when he's playing a really smart game, Dylan Brooks is a seriously good defender. I'm not trying to take that away at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you know, people that can that can match up with LeBron. You have a really good defensive player of the year, you know, type candidate um, in the interior with Jaron Jackson Jr. And you look at what the Lakers have: um, LeBron James on the wing, Anthony Davis on the interior. When you think about the matchup and just like you know, good matchup, bad matchup, how well Memphis matches up, how much does that factor into it? That you have two guys that instance like it's not not that complicated to figure out what this looks like. Well, I think the interesting thing is it'll be a yes and no in terms of those two Mm -hmm. individual matchups. Dylan Brooks will take LeBron James. Dylan Brooks is going to be like the first day of school on Saturday night. (laughs) He's going to have his socks laid out, his shoes, his jersey. He's going to be ready to go. He might get to the stadium at 5 a.m. for the the, the 2 2 p.m. Central Time tip on Sunday afternoon. That's going to be Dylan on LeBron all day, every day, and maybe LeBron gets his, but Dylan Brooks is going to do his darndest to make sure he doesn't. On the flip side, one of the more interesting kind of X-factor things for the series is how Memphis defends Anthony Davis. Because if you go back to the last time these two teams played, I believe it was in Memphis, it was Xavier Tillman Sr. that drew the Anthony Davis matchup. And one of the reasons for that, you know, the, the common national uh, point will be that Jaron Jackson Jr. gets in foul trouble. That's partially true, but the larger reason is Xavier Tillman Sr. starts for the Memphis Grizzlies because he best emulates what Steven Adams was as a screener, as a rebounder, and as a defender. He's not as good as Steven Adams, not trying to say he is, but he is closest to that, and it helps that starting lineup be as consistent as possible. Another way that's true is is Jaron Jackson Jr. being able to play 
off of Anthony Davis and be more of a help side defender as things get funneled into the paint. Don't be surprised if you see Jaron Jackson Jr. defending, say, Jared Vanderbilt, who is an awesome player to watch play defense, phenomenal rebounder. He's one of my favorite role players in the league. Not much of an offensive threat. So Jaron will help off of him, and maybe the Lakers can come up with ways to make them pay for that. But that will be an early philosophy, I think, to let Jaron be more impactful in and around the paint, where he is truly a monster. Opponents are shooting 8.9% worse at the rim when Jaron Jackson Jr. is on the floor. That is staggeringly good defense. And if you have him defending AD, you lose some of that. So Xavier Tillman might get destroyed by Anthony Davis, and maybe they have to make an adjustment. But I think that's going to be how they start. When Jaron gets into foul trouble, typically, how does that happen? Like, are there certain things he's prone prone towards doing that lead to foul trouble? And also, too, how much, however big an issue the foul trouble you think is or the frequency of it, whatever, how much does that get exacerbated by no Steven Adams, no Brandon Clark in terms of what it does to the front court? That's exactly what it is. I mean, Steven, Steven Adams kind of operates as, you know, the protector in a way. So I think of when I think of those two guys. I, I always use a lot of football analogies. Joe's a football coach. So Steven Adams is more of like your linebacker, your defensive lineman. You know, he's kind of clogging things up. And Jaron Jackson Jr. is your safety. He's the guy that's going to play with a lot of freedom and, you know, get the space to pretty much do whatever he wants. So the reason that the Grizzlies have been able to use Jaron in that roaming role that Joe mentioned earlier is because even if he's roaming and he's literally roaming, so sometimes he's near the three-point line, uh, you still have a guy like Steven Adams on the back line of that defense. So you don't have uh, as much of that with Xavier Tillman Sr. Uh, now. So it's a little bit different, but you're seeing him stay more uh, closer to the paint. And that's kind of going to be a big key for the for the Lakers. I, I That's one of those inside things I can't wait to see. Uh, we saw last season in that series against the Timberwolves, Jared Jackson Jr. actually started off on Jared Vanderbilt in that series as well, in that roaming role, you know, kind of clogging the paint, help playing help defense on guys and just wherever moving around wherever he wanted to go. We saw earlier this season, Zion Williamson had two of his worst games of the season against the Grizzlies. In both of those games, Jaron Jackson Jr. guarded Herb Jones and basically just stood in the paint and said, come to me. And, he, and Zion, of course, came right to him, and he's just swatting the ball all over the place. And Zion's turning the ball over. So that's going to be the key because, you know, LeBron's going to want to get to the rim. You know Anthony Davis is going to want to get to the rim. And Anthony Davis has the size advantage. He has the skill advantage against Xavier Tillman. But at what cost, you know, uh, what does Jared Vanderbilt bring on the offensive end? Kind of would be my question to you guys. I know he's a great offensive rebounder. Is he going to be able to crash? I'm sure other teams have sagged off of him before. How can the Lakers adjust to that if that's what the Grizzlies do? Well, as far as what he, I, I think Vanderbilt does, if you're looking for anything other than just garbage points, he's a really good cutter when teams are ignoring mm. him. Like he is hyper aware of his lack of gravity. And I think he actually uses the lack of gravity in a weird way, like an inverted way to his advantage yeah. because he, he's really mindful of that, especially when you've got LeBron looking for him or D'Angelo Russell looking for him, Austin Reeves, like good passers. I, I think that's ultimately what Vanderbilt does. It isn't just pure garbage points, offensive putbacks. I mean, he'll, he'll pop into a corner every once in a while and yeah. take and make a three. And some of it is that's – if if the series comes down to how many threes can Jared Vanderbilt hit, I think the Grizzlies will, will take that. <laughs> um, but 
I, I wonder if some of the answer to that question is related to how, you know, you talk about these, these good defenders. How much do they have to tilt the defense, bring an extra defender, shade towards okay. Anthony Davis, shade toward LeBron James? Because the more sort of straight up a team can play uh, to where you don't have to overplay to the, team, to the Lakers stars, the less freedom Vanderbilt has to, to catch somebody on a back cut or you know, you know, move into the dunker spot or something like that on, on, a, on a dive or a pick and roll or something like that. Um, and so I, I think the, the success that they have there, you know, maybe again, maybe we'll get into this next. Like, you know, I wonder if with what you guys are talking about there, the the ability of the Lakers role players, the D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, uh, Austin Reeves to hit shots and and force Memphis to to play honestly um, could be a real key to this series because they did not do a very good job of that uh, in the play in game against Minnesota. That will definitely be a major key in this series. And we will talk about that next here on Locked On Grizzlies. But first, this episode of Locked Locked On Lakers and Locked On Lakers. Thank Thank you. you. Common ground here. It's 50 50. This crossover edition of Locked On Lakers and Locked On Grizzlies is brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, double plays are back. Major League Baseball is picking back up just as the NBA playoffs are kicking off. There's no better place to get in on MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. Maybe you want to make a bet on Aaron Judge hitting a home run in the third inning. Maybe you want to have a pitcher going over on strikeouts. Whatever the case might be, however you want to get it done, you can build up a single-game parlay with your favorite matchup of the day and put a little more heat on whatever game you're watching. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Lakers. See what I did there and Locked On Grizzlies, a, <laughs> a crossover edition. Very excited to be Damn here right with the Kamenetsky <laughs> brothers, Andy and Brian. Of course, the Michael Cole of the Commercial Appeal there in Memphis, Tennessee, Grizzlies beat writer. Make sure you're following him, Lakers folks, if you don't already do so, at Michael C on Twitter. He's one of the very best covering the Memphis Grizzlies. I am Joe Mullinax. I am less talented and handsome than the Michael Cole, but you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. I know that was a big deal earlier on uh, on Wednesday when when I gave the follow to the Locked On Lakers fellas here. Um, happy to show you my Bluff City media coverage as a Grizzlies contributor. I also write for SB Nation and Fan Sided. So uh, I, I, if you want to know about the Memphis Grizzlies, we're, we're your guys. Trust me on that. Uh, you asked a question before the break about – Lakers role players, D'Angelo Russell, which, by the way, cool to say he's a role player, right? Like that's an elevated role player, but he, yeah, you know, yeah. the, the, the I, I'm agreeing with beyond you. the superstars. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to have that. Um, Malik Beasley, Austin Reeves, the definition of a role player. It seems like the Lakers always luck into those kinds of guys. Uh, but anyway, um, those guys are very capable of hitting open shots. Those guys have offensive talent, obviously. And DeMichael, I'm glad they brought it up. Because if they didn't bring it up, I was going to bring it up. That makes me nervous to Michael because it seems like every other game, the Grizzlies are inspiring the other team to have a historic shooting performance. 
like when the Pelicans blew the doors off Memphis yep. the other day. Twice. And they were 13 of 17 from three at one stretch. Uh, maybe it won't happen in Memphis, Tennessee, but I, I close my eyes and I have a nightmare of Austin Reeves hitting nine three-pointers in a game three in Los Angeles because the Grizzlies' defense is designed to have that guy shoot that shot. You're going to have a lot of Memphis guys uh, – you know, kind of fumbling their way into the paint. Jaron Jackson Jr., for as many blocks as he get, if you want to look at the downside outside of the fouls, is he's going to uh, hunt a lot of those, too. He'll, he'll even tell you. This isn't me critiquing him. This is his words. He'll tell you, hey, look, sometimes I get caught in hunting uh, the blocks down. So you'll see LeBron driving to the rim with that, you know, uh, excellent vision that he has, and Jaron will just – leave uh, someone and just go, you know, right at LeBron and LeBron will know he's coming. He'll kick it out, get some open shots. That'll happen a few times. And it's going <laughs> to, it's, it's going to lead to some Lakers makes from time to time, but the Lakers Rose players are going to have to knock those down. That's going to be a big part of the series. The, the Grizzlies, uh, they're going to protect the paint. That's it's very rare that the Grizzlies get outscored in the paint top paint scoring team. I think four years in a row now, Four consecutive seasons they've led the NBA in paint scoring. Uh, ironically, all four of those years, John Morant's first four years in the league. So uh, that's kind of uh, not a coincidence. But uh, at the same time, that's going to be a big key. Uh, they're going to get some shots. The Grizzlies love to score in the paint, and they want to stop you from scoring in the paint. Look at kind of uh, the tree that Taylor Jenkins come from, Mike Budenholzer. That's kind of was his thing. You remember when before he won the championship, a big critique of him was he was he's giving up too many three-pointers. Yes, they were protecting the paint, but they'd give up all these three-pointers, and that's kind of uh, where the Grizzlies are. At home, they're pretty good, you know, defensively. It's usually on the road where teams just get the out-of-body experiences and knock down 18, 19 three-pointers. So Lakers role players are going to have their opportunities, and, I, and for my money, they're going to – the way they play is going to define the series. There are going to be some games I think LeBron and Anthony Davis will probably both score 25-plus, but it's going to be those other guys that really dictate what happens on that end. As far as Laker role players go, going on serious heaters from behind the arc, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's not the norm for this team. Like Malik Beasley is their designated volume outside shooter, and he has been seriously all or nothing in his time with the Lakers, like he is either going to go five of nine, six of nine, or he's going to go zero of 10. And there's very little in between. D'Angelo Russell is, he has been on balance shooting well from outside for the Lakers, but he's also a guy, I don't think he's, the swings are quite as wild as Malik Beasley, but he can get a little bit streaky himself. Austin Reeves has been pretty consistent, but I don't think he puts up as many as you'd probably like, or certainly for the scenario that you're talking about to Michael, like that sort of just guy. Some of the guys that, frankly, the Lakers were having trouble with in their playing game uh, against the Wolves uh, with that sort of volume. Um, it's not really where the Lakers live behind the arc. As you rightly noted, Memphis is going to be protecting the paint because that's where the Lakers do the most damage. So it'll be interesting to see if it's one of those things where something has to give because the Lakers are a much more devastating team attacking the rim than hitting from outside. Unstoppable force meeting a movable object, maybe. The, the Grizzlies are saying we're going to defend the paint and score in the paint, and the Lakers doing the exact same thing. Um, I Just watching this Grizzlies team throughout this entire season, I'm most nervous about a team getting hot from three the way that they defend. I'm confident knowing that 
that LeBron James is at worst the second or third best player of all time. There's an argument to be made. He's better than that. Knowing how good Anthony Davis can be, you know, I'm confident in the way that the Memphis Grizzlies play team defense, especially at home with home court advantage, that they're going to be able to negate that to the extent enough that they can win those home games. The question is, when the Lakers role players are in the friendly confines of crypto arena, I, I really want to call it the other thing, crypto center. Uh, I want crypto. to call it the old name because that's the way crypto, I want crypto crypto it. Crypto.com. The world famous legendary <laughs> I don't want to get locked on Lakers in trouble. Yeah. I'll say crypto.com arena. Um, but, you know, I'm worried about Austin Reeves making nine threes. Like in all seriousness, and that sounds like a silly thing. Like some of your listeners might say that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why is this guy analyzing basketball? If you watch the Memphis Grizzlies as much as I have and as much as DeMichael has, that is their Achilles heel defensively is letting those guys get hot. And all you need is confidence and the fans chanting for you to your point earlier about these fans not seeing the Lakers in a while in a playoff series. You know, I, I could see that being a way for the Lakers to turn some momentum. Uh, we'll get out of here on this question. I have a question for you guys. Uh, I got, I got we, one for him, too. I got one oh, for him. Okay, too. okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll end on a, a twofer here. I'll go first if that's okay, partner. Um, I'm curious as to how you perceive the Lakers – or excuse me, the Grizzlies role players uh, in terms of, you know, a, a player like Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones is, in my opinion, polarizing because a lot of times national media – other fan base. Oh, he's the best backup point guard in the NBA. Depends on your definition because Tyus in the past has had issues as a true reserve, right? Which he's always going to be as long as John Morant exists. We haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned Luke Kennard yet. Uh, to, oh, to my surprise, yeah. that's a that's a big that's swing. What I player. expected them to say. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, and I I think what I what I what I love about these kinds of conversations is like you're worried about you know the Lakers three point shooters going on a heater, which is certainly something that there will be a game where that happens. I personally would not worry about that for seven of them. Like that is not you know if that happens and the Lakers win the series because the three point shooting was just off the charts, it's like you just throw up your hands. You're like. I don't know what's there. Then you you and go I to think next Grizzlies year. Head so we got Jenkins would agree with you. Yeah, and so you know I, and you know I look at Memphis, and I see that roster, and I I hate I hate this matchup. I hate this matchup for the Lakers in part because of the interior defense that we were talking about earlier in the show because they have a wing defender on LeBron because, um, you know they don't foul a ton. The Lakers formula is get to the free throw line, uh, get to the basket and hit enough three-pointers to keep teams honest. Um, easy access to one of those things, I think, in this series is, is what you guys are saying. And so, anyway, I, I don't, you know, the athleticism of the Grizzlies scares me. I, I, everything about this. Um, and part of it is I look at the roster and I just see a lot of really good players. Like, if you see, if you look who's going to play in an eight-man, nine-man, ten-man rotation, everybody is a credible NBA player. Um, you know, yeah, we were talking about Aldama earlier, and you know, you think you know the Lakers are lucky Brandon Clark uh, isn't available for this one. That Stephen Adams isn't available for this one. Yeah. Um, but you know, Bain is really good. Dylan Brooks is really good at what he does, and Kennard is a good player. And you know, we talk about a guy who can get hot and swing a series from three point range. I mean, that the the, the percentages with him are off the you know unbelievable. Tillman is a really solid player. Um, and they're well coached, at least you know from the however many thousand miles we are away from from Memphis right now. Um, 
So I just I I have a deep amount of respect for this team that is probably better than the fifty one wins that they had, um, because so many of the losses came in like a two and a half week stretch, and that was basically the only time this year that you look over there and the Grizzlies aren't playing well for the rest of the time. They've been a good team, and yeah. um, for the Lakers to win this series, I think would be a really big accomplishment. I tell you, uh, one thing that stands out from just just what you were saying, but just reading about the Lakers and watching them from afar, uh, I saw uh, the last game, the Timberwolves were concerned with the Lakers getting out in transition. Uh, That's the Grizzlies' formula. But I feel like, you know, to to beat the Grizzlies, uh, this season, last season, they have not been a great half-court offense. Since Luke Kennard has come over there, they've gotten better. In, in those situations and whatnot, but they're still, you know, they're still not great at it. Uh, LeBron James, over the course of his career, I know I've seen, you know, they said this team likes to play in transition, but over the course of his career, you see him, you know, manipulate defensive matchups and things like that and kind of be able to slow the game down. Uh, that kind of would be a benefit, I think, in this series because the Grizzlies, as soon as they get the rebound, you'll see Desmond Bain. I mean, you can't blink. Desmond Bain is getting up the court just as fast as John Moran. That's no exaggeration. Well, the Lakers have been a good good defensive team since the trade deadline, one of the best in the true. NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are still not a great transition team. I will mm-hmm. you know the Grizzlies may not be a great half court team, neither of the Lakers. I mean Yeah, I and I, I was gonna say, as much as you might look for LeBron to slow things down, just traditionally the the things you've seen in the playoffs, the reality is the Lakers are a far better offensive team in transition triggered by their defense than they are working in the half court. They're better now than they were before because they have better players now mm. to do it. And, he, and even somebody like Rui Hachimura, who we haven't talked yeah. about much during this, like he's he's an isolation option that they have when, when sets actually start to break down. Like he's somebody mm-hmm. that can create his own shot in a lot of ways has been a really good safety valve. He, he and LeBron play very well off each other. But the reality is they're still better working with speed and, and working on the break. Who can generate more cheap points defense to offense is is, is a big swing, I think, you know, in this one. Yeah, uh, that's that's a, that's kind of the name of the game with these two teams, right? Uh, because you're talking about two teams that are going to go defense to offense. But I want to ask about one player, one player, and that's John Morant. Because in Memphis, we're wondering who – Who's the guy? Who is the guy that's going to guard John Morant? Because, okay, there's two guys that come to mind for me. I want to see what you guys have to say. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, real good, you know, at the point of attack, right? But from experience, playing John Morant at the point of attack is, is you know, do it at your own will because once he gets past you, uh, you're not catching up. And, and he's, he's not going to slow down. And, you know, he'll try to jump over anyone. He, he doesn't care. And then there's Jerry Vanderbilt. We saw him a lot in that Minnesota series. Uh, mixed results there. I think, you know, there were a couple games John kind of got the better of him. But Minnesota kind of did a good job as like a team defense. So just wondering, who do you think draws the John Morant assignment? Who do you have the most confidence in uh, guarding John Morant? And just how do you see that playing out? I think it's yes is the answer to all of it. Like I think you'll see a lot of Schroeder. Um, you're going to see Austin Reeves. You're going to see them throw Jared Vanderbilt at him. I, mean, I think Troy Brown will have Troy Brown will have some. Okay. It's a lot of team stuff. I mean, the one guy they will try to avoid at all costs is D'Lo. Or though, but even then, you know, Russell at least is is pretty good while he cannot, you know, 
out quick or outspeed John Morant. He is long enough that he could survive, uh, you know, the you know uh, the a switch or something like that. You know, that, but I, I don't I don't think you can just say you know with John Morant. I don't I don't maybe there's a point guard out there where you could, but where you that's your guy for six five six seven games whatever it is go. Um, I, I think it's going to be a variety of looks and a variety of coverages that the Lakers throw at Ja. I my guess, I mean, as far as the game starts, it's either going to be I think Reeves or Vanderbilt, and I think some of this is going to be dictated by how the Lakers want to guard Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. Because I would think they're not going to be putting AD on him because Jaron likes to play outside. You don't want to remove that back line, so I could see great point. I, I could see LeBron actually being on Jaron Jackson Jr. as an assignment because I, I don't think it would be necessarily all that taxing on him. I could potentially see Jared Vanderbilt being on him with the abil- and giving LeBron the ability to roam defensively, which would put Austin Reeves on uh, John Morant. I could see Vanderbilt starting and trying to bother him with length, and then you find a different configuration for it. But I, I think a lot of this will actually be dictated with what you do with Jaron. And I think to you know same way you you know you can kind of ignore Vanderbilt you know on the offensive side if you're the Grizzlies, what how much attention do the Lakers pay Dylan Brooks, you know do you try to bait him into taking 17 or 18 shots a game, because um, I'd ra- much rather him do it than than Jackson yeah. or or Bain or, Brooks could be a D low guy. As yeah, far there's as basically that's everybody mm-hmm. on that team uh, that I would prefer to you know, I'd rather have Brooks shoot. More than I, I, I think that one of the interesting things about the series to kind of put a bow on this is the fact that on both sides you have impactful offensive players and you have guys that could be picked on defensively. Like for me, how the Lakers find ways to get switches onto John Morant and make him work defensively is going to be fascinating to watch. You mentioned D'Angelo Russell, the Grizzlies did that almost every possession that D'Angelo yeah. Russell was on the floor against the Minnesota Timberwolves in last year's playoffs. So how the teams respond to that, right? That's going to be the chess match, the game-to-game uh, interaction between the coaches. Uh, it, it's going to be really fascinating to watch play out, and I'm excited to watch it play out. I know you guys are as well over at Locked On Lakers. Thank you so much for joining us on this crossover edition of Locked On Lakers and Locked On Grizzlies. Uh, make sure you're checking out the uh, Kamineski brothers at Cam Brothers for all you folks that are Locked On Grizzlies listeners and viewers at Cam Brothers on Twitter. They do awesome work at Locked On Lakers, of course, as well. Uh, if you're a Grizzlies person, at DeMichael C, or excuse me, a Lakers person, at DeMichael C on Twitter is DeMichael Cole. He is the Grizzlies beat writer for the Commercial commercial Appeal, one of the publications and websites there in Memphis. And I am Joe Mullinax. I am a Grizzlies columnist over at Bluff City Media, a local business uh, that is covering all Memphis sports and I also write for fan-sided and SB Nation. So between the four of us, you know, no disrespect to anybody else, I think we've got you covered for Grizzlies Lakers. Thank you so much for making this special edition of Locked On Lakers and Locked On Grizzlies your first listen today. Now make your second listen Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, The next time that both of our shows are rolling, it will be back to normal 
right? You guys will be talking uh, Lakers, Grizzlies from the Lakers perspective. We'll be talking it from the Memphis side of things, and we'll be getting you closer to the Sunday matinee tip. Again, only in the movies and in Memphis for the first time ever. Lakers, Grizzlies, first round playoff series, any playoff series uh, between these two teams. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm personally excited to be covering it, and I'm sure I speak for you guys about that as well. You can find us on uh, anywhere you get podcasts, and you know Spotify, Apple, up and down the list. There's so many. We're everywhere, whether it's Locked On Grizzlies, Locked On Lakers. Subscribe, rate, review. You can also check us out on YouTube. Like, comment, all those sorts of things. Continue to make both Locked On Lakers and Locked On Grizzlies part of your NBA playoffs experience. I promise you're not going to regret it. For the fellas, I'm Joe Mullinax. Until next time, stay locked in. This is Locked On Lakers and Locked On Grizzlies.